2 Kings chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 8. Thank you, praise team, for leading us today into the presence of God. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. That's my kind of friend. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. This is getting better, isn't it? Verse 9. She said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive, I can see, that this is a holy man of God which passes by us often, continually. Let us make a little chamber. Let's all say that together. Let us make a little chamber. I pray thee on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. This is awesome. I'll explain this to you in just a minute, but she's... She's getting it set up. Let us get him a room and let's put a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be that when he comes to us, he's not in a hurry to leave. He's not just coming for bread. I love this. It shall be that when he stops by that he shall turn in thither. It shall be when he comes next time. That he's going to realize I made some room for him. The next time he shows up and walks through the door expecting just bread. He's going to see while you were gone. We kept the oven hot. And we made some room for a miracle in our house. We made some room for a miracle. I want to preach to you today. Make room for a miracle. Look at your neighbor today and tell him you better make some room. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I'll be mindful of your time today. I'll do my best not to preach until your pot roast is burnt. But uh, I want to preach to you from my heart today and what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart. Amen. Make room for a miracle. Now... If I had a bunch of time today, I would actually like to preach the first two stories that are in this chapter, and I don't have time to go into depth. But I do want to hit just a couple of high points because I want you to realize that there is a theme that's going on here in this chapter. The first story that we see in this chapter, the scripture said that there was a woman that came to Elisha and to his servants, to his prophets, the sons of the prophets. And she said, my husband has passed away. And they're coming after me to collect my debts. But I can't afford to pay them because my husband is dead. And now the debtors are coming. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And so the, the man of God looked at her and he said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get vessels. And I want you to get as many as you can. As a matter of fact, he said in verse number three, he said, don't just borrow a few. Now, I wish so bad that you could see the power of this little phrase right here. 
He said, I want you to go get vessels, but I don't just want you to borrow a few of them. I want you to go get as many vessels as you could get. I feel the Holy Ghost on me this morning as I came here to tell somebody what God wants to do in your life is going to take more than just a few vessels. Some of you have been asking God for things, but you haven't been asking God big enough. You've been asking God for blessings and you've been asking God for favor, but you've only borrowed a few vessels. What you've been asking God to do is not big enough for what God wants to do. Listen, this woman said, I'm just trying to pay my debt. And the prophet said, don't you worry about your debt. God wants to do something for you that's bigger than what you borrowed. I feel like telling somebody today that God is wanting to do more in your life than just give you somewhere to go to church. God wants to do more in your life than to just give you somewhere to belong. You may have came here today because you thought, man, I've driven by that church many times. I wonder what they've got going on in that building. There always seems to be a lot of cars. Maybe I could fit there. Maybe I could attend there. Maybe I could be blessed if I go there. But I've come to tell you this morning, God has more for you than for you to just walk in here and sit on a pew and find another good church to go to. Don't just borrow a few vessels. God wants to do something in your life today I don't know what you've heard about Pentecostals I don't know what you've heard about the first Pentecostal church I don't know what you've heard about the crazy preacher that's up here preaching every weekend but I can tell you this nobody's ever told you anything that was big enough to tell you about how good our God is I am so finite. I am so limited. It's not because of me and what God has been doing. But do you realize over the last few weeks the miracles that God has been doing in this church? Do you realize that we've had things happen in this church over the last few weeks that have caused doctors to look at reports and say we don't know what happened but something has happened? Do you understand that God has set some people free in this house just over the last few weeks? We've had people that were addicted to things, but they're not addicted to those things anymore. We've had people in this church over the last few weeks that it looked like their marriage was finished. It looked like their relationship was done. But God said, if you'll go get a vessel, I'll fill the vessel. I don't know if you came here today because your marriage was struggling or you came here today because you're looking for a church or you came here today because you need a miracle. But what I want to tell you is that the half has not been told. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We need some preachers that are willing to look at some people in need and say, go get some vessels and don't just borrow a few. I'm not, I'm not talking about hyperbole. I'm not talking about just building people up to make them feel good. I've had enough of that. I've had, I, I've had enough prosperity preaching. If you give to God, he's going to bless you and you're going to get a new Cadillac. No, that's not true. I don't give to God so I can get a Cadillac. I've had Cadillacs. Got one right now. I don't, I don't give to God so I can drive a Cadillac. 
I give to God because He's good. I don't give to God so that I can get. I give to God because I know when I bless God, He blesses me and I bless others. All I am is a conduit for the goodness of God. But I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm not just getting a few little vessels. I'm going to give to God. This story is so amazing. Now... Again, I don't have time to go into the depths of the full story, but I want to hit some high points here. This woman is worried. Anybody in here ever worry? Yeah, you ladies can put them hands high in here. Come on, I live in a house of four women. I understand. Some worriers. I was raised by one. My dad. But I'm just... (laughs) I understand worrying. But this woman worried. Women, wor- women worry different than men. We worry, we worry kind of like behind closed doors. We worry when nobody's looking. And when our wives say, babe, are you not worried? You're like, it's all good. But if you could just see the inside, we're like. <laughs> My wife will say, does that not concern you at all? Like, no. No, I'm. Then I look over and the girls are like rolling their eyes. Yeah, I get worried. I get worried too. But this woman had a legitimate reason to be worried. She was upset. Her breadwinner was gone. Her husband was gone. Listen, I know people don't like this, okay? I, I, I know this is not easy preaching to receive. But I have come on a mandate from the Holy Ghost today to encourage somebody. Sometimes you have to go through things that leave you no other option but to trust God. I'm going to break this down, what I call breaking it down Gerber style, where even the babies can eat. I want, I want to make this crystal clear to somebody this morning, and I feel such a witness in the Holy Ghost in this room right now. God likes to work. Listen to me. God likes to work when nothing else will. God likes to work when you've tried everything you know to try. You've called everybody you know to call. You've sent letters to everybody you know to send. You've sent emails to every address you know to send it to. God is waiting on somebody that will turn to him this morning and say, God, whatever you've got to do, I'm going to let you do it. I'm not here to limit you. I'm not here to restrict you. I'm here to give it to you, God, and let you do what only you can do. Can I preach to you for a few minutes today? I'll get to my sermon in a minute. I'm stuck in my introduction. Did you all notice in this scripture? Did you all notice anywhere in this in the scripture? If you've ever read through this chapter, did you all notice the part where the woman leaves her house and argues with the debt collectors? Anybody see that? Anybody see where she goes in there and, and fights with people? Who you think you are? No, no, no. Here's, here's the truth. She had a debt that she owed. And it had to be paid. Somebody say it had to be paid. It had to be paid. But she did not have the resources to do it herself. 
I don't want this to hurt your feelings this morning, but every one of you walked in here today with a debt you could not pay. You were born in sin and you were shaping in iniquity. I love you to death. I'm so glad that you're here. I thank God that you're here today. But I want to tell you, you have a debt in your life that you absolutely cannot pay. Pastor St. Clair, you don't know where I've been and the things that I've done. Listen, I, I don't have to know where you've been and I don't have to know what you've done because God knows where you've been and God knows what you've done and this is what you need to know. It doesn't intimidate God. It does not worry God. God is not finish with you yet I came here today to make my wife happy I told her I'd give her one more shot I'm tired of going listen take this out of the equation you're not just here today so you can go to church you may have thought that's why you were here but you're here because you owe a debt but I've got some good news for you there is a man named Jesus who your Bible says was God manifest in the flesh. And the Bible said that that God who became a man, the Pharisees looked at him and said, who is this man who makes himself God? That's where they missed it. The man wasn't making himself God. God made himself a man. And he came, he came so that you and I could have life and life more abundantly. He came because it was a debt that I could not pay. But it was a debt that he did not owe. And the Bible said that when Jesus laid his life down on the cross. I don't know how to explain all this to you. Because it's a supernatural work. I don't understand. When I was a little kid, they teach me this in Sunday school. This is what they'd say to me. That he can take a heart that's black with sin. Wash it with red blood. Come on, somebody help me. You can preach this to me. And make it. Well, that's just because you're a preacher. That's because you're a good man. That's because preachers don't have flesh. That's because preachers are perfect. I didn't go to that school. I'm so sorry. I missed that part. Listen, I'm going to tell you, if you pinch me, I'm going to scream. And I may even pinch you back. I'm flesh. If you prick me with a needle, I'm going to bleed. And I'm tempted just like you are. It's not, I wasn't born a preacher, but I was born a sinner. I thank God for my mother and daddy. She's a, she's a praying woman. Praying, he's a praying man. I, I thank God for it. I thank God for it. But my mother couldn't pray me out of sin. I thank God for the prayer warriors in this church that have been here all my life. But they couldn't pray me out of sin. If my mother prayed from sun up to sundown, she may have a couple times. I may have put it on her. I don't know. But if my mother could pray sun up to sundown seven days a week, she could not pray me out of my sin. But just one drop of the blood of Jesus... It was enough to wash my sin and make me white as snow. Why are you preaching this? Because I want you to get something. He said, go get vessels. 
And don't just borrow a few. Get ready. Tell your neighbor this morning. Get ready. He said, go get vessels and don't just borrow a few. Because when God starts pouring it out in your life, you better get ready. The Bible said that they went and got a bunch of vessels. And the Bible said that she closed the door. And the scripture said that she took the the little bit of oil that she had left. And she began to pour it in the first vessel. Does anybody know what happened when the first vessel filled up? She moved and got another vessel. Man, I didn't know there was that much in there. Give me another vessel. Where is all this coming from? These are questions that some of you are going to start asking when you realize how good God is. You're going to look in your life and say, where in the world did that just come from? See, because when you let God start doing it, there's no man that can get the glory for it. It's not going to be because of a preacher. It, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Where'd that come from? And the Bible said that as long as they had empty vessels, there was oil to fill it up. Don't just go get a few. Listen, stay empty and let God fill you up this morning. If you've never repented of your sins and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you can have it today. You can have it today. You can be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost today. But you've got to make room in your life. So we move from that story. Straight to the next story. And we got a woman who has need. The scripture says she was a great woman. If you look in the original language, this means one of two things. And some believe, even rabbinical tradition, they believe it means both things. It means that she was great in wealth. Or that she was great in wisdom. Some say it means that she was great in wealth and wisdom. And that's why she was a great woman. But the scripture said that every time... The prophet of the Lord would come by her house that she was waiting on him and he came in for bread. Now, I don't have time to take this into the deep end of the pool, but I need you to stay with me right here for just a minute. If she was a great woman and full of everything that she needed, then why was she having the man of God come into her house? And I'm going to tell you why. Because her motive was pure. Oh, I want to get this in your heart. Some of you are looking to God to be a deliverer from something that you got yourself in. Oh, man, this is going to be tight for just a minute. I want to say this, and I don't want this to sound disrespectful. But there's too many people in this world that look at at God as like this sugar daddy kind of concept. That I'm going to use him to get what I need when I need it. But when I'm done, he's done. When I'm in a mess, I need him. But when it's fixed, I'm done. There is a principle in this story to me that is so powerful. If she is a great woman, and and the prophet even asked her, he said, what do you need? Once she made room for him, he said, what do you need? She said, I don't need anything. I wonder what would happen in our lives if our worship was not motivated by what we need. Come on in here and let me feed you bread. Feed you bread? Like, what do you need? I don't need anything. I just want to bless you. I wonder what would happen if we would stop telling God, Lord, I, if you'll just 
get me out of this. If you'll just give me that job. If you'll just change this. If you'll just give me that house. If you'll just give me that car, then I'll praise you. I wonder what would happen if we'd just come to God and say, Lord, I've prepared a vessel for you today. I'm not here to ask you for anything. I'm just here to tell you how much I love you. I'm just here to let you know it's not about what you can do for me. It's God, if you'll just know that I love you, that's all I need. Keep on coming in. Listen, every time you pass by this way, you got a seat at my table. You realize how powerful that is? Oh, my word. This woman was just like Mary Sue Bingham. That's my grandmother. Seated over here, the model in the second seat. She raised me with this rule. You don't walk in here hungry and leave hungry. That's what mammals do. Anytime you come to this house, You've always got a seat at my table. God have mercy. I wonder what would happen if we would make that kind of room for the kingdom of God in our life. God, I don't care what you're doing. I just want to be in the middle of it. I don't care if I'm the one that gets blessed or not. I just want you to have a seat at my table. God, I don't care who sees it. I don't care who hears about it. I just want you to be blessed. Bible said that the prophet came a few times. She made the bread. Apparently, now, this is just what I pick up, and I'm not real picky. I'm not a real picky person. I can eat anything. I've traveled enough in ministry in my life. I can eat anything, and that's the truth. I've, I've eaten stuff in my life I didn't want to eat. I ain't going to lie to you. Well, then why'd you eat it, dummy? Because I looked across at my mother. And she said, if you say a word. But mama, the plate's dirty. I don't care. You're going to eat it. I'm like, oh, God. They may never have your dad come back and preach again. I'm like, well, I'm glad his preaching's better than her cooking. <laughs> come on, somebody. I could tell you horror stories on the evangelist field. Finally, some of them evangelists got smart. I think the years have passed long enough. I can tell this story now, and it's okay. <laughs> My Papa Bingham taught me a trick. There was a <laughs> there was a lady that kept bringing this pie that was as sour as you could imagine. When you take a bite of it, it'd make your nose curl. But apparently she thought Bishop Bingham liked it. And finally she got bold enough that she came up to him and she said, Brother Bingham, Brother Bingham, did you like it? He says, Sister, food like that don't last long around my house. Yes. <laughs> there
there's some tricks that you learn along the way. If you get a piece of paper and get you a solo cup and draw a circle with a sharpie around it, make a perfect circle, fill that in. Anybody go? I didn't think coloring would teach me anything in kindergarten, but it did. You fill that in, make a spot on that paper. And you got that old junky food that you just, you're scared to death you're going to pull a hair out that's as long as your wife's hair. You can lay that on top of the trash. Lay that paper on it. Throw the food on it. When they ask how it was, you can say it hit the spot. Come on, somebody. I don't think you realize how much I'm helping you in here right now. These altars are open if anyone would like to come right now. Musicians, please come. But this woman apparently knew how to make a loaf of bread. If you want to get my attention, all my mother's got to do is say, Hey, babe, I made yeast rolls. I'm like, we're in revival. Heaven is moving, praise God. Landon, can Sister Saint make some yeast rolls at Christmas time? Come on. But listen, this woman knew how to make some bread. And the prophet, when he'd come by, he'd say, Mmm, I smell something cooking. I believe that she has prepared something. Y'all can believe this however you want to, but I got the microphone, so I'm going to give you my opinion. I'm going to tell you what I believe. Woo, man, I feel such a witness in this room. I don't know what God's trying to do. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that woman would get up every morning and she'd put a fresh loaf of bread in the oven just in case. And I believe when the prophet would come through, he would get the scent of something that was prepared just in case today was the day that he would come in. Could you imagine what God could do in our lives if when he came by, he said, Woo, I smell something that's been prepared for me. They didn't do it because I knew today was a day. They did it just in case. Brother St. Clair, why do you live the way you live? Why is it important to you to live for God seven days a week? Because my Bible says that he's coming back. And he's coming back for a bride that's made herself ready. I don't just do this because I know today's the day. I'm doing it because tomorrow may be the day. I'm doing it because this week might be the week. But when he comes by, I want him to know I've made myself ready. I've said it for years as a pastor. I hope the Lord don't come back while some of y'all are on vacation. It gets ugly. Some of you forget to pack your little Jesus size suitcase. Oh, I'm on vacation. It's okay. Oh, God. For one thing, nobody wants to see you dress like that. Somebody say, Pastor loves me. You're dismissed. I just lost you. Listen. She said, I like what I feel in my home when the prophet comes by. I not only want to be sure that there's bread in the house. Look at somebody close to you and tell them this morning. You got the bread cooking this morning? You got the bread baking? Come on. You you got the bread baking? You got the bread on back there, Mike Miller? You got the bread? You got it, Sister Christie? Is it bacon? Come on, Sister Barbara. I bet you a bread-making machine, ain't you? 
Come on, girl. My God, you know what? We're the kind of church that's got the bread getting made on the back row. I'm glad to be in a church that you can feel it from the front row to the back row. Brother Justin, you got the bread on back there? Come on. He's got the bread on back there. Hallelujah. The bread's on in the house. I know Sister Needy got some bread back there. I feel it. Come on. We got bread in the house this morning. She said, I like it when the prophet comes by my house. But I'm going to tell you what I want to do. I want to be sure. And she goes to her husband. She said, you like what you feel when the prophet comes by here? Oh, yeah, I guess he's an all right man because we don't want him, but we like it. Yeah, it's all right. I like it when he comes. She said, well, I'll tell you what I want to do. I'm about to build a room that's just the right size for the prophet. I'm about to build a room so that the next time he comes in, he knows you are welcome in this house and my house is your house. She was saying to the prophet, whatever I have and whatever you want, you can get it in here right now. If you want to come into this house, you are always welcome in my house. I wonder today. I really do wonder today how many of us have room for the miracles that we've asked God for. Can I preach to you? I'm almost done. I want to preach to you. God, give us revival. Give us revival. We said that till I think the Lord thinks we're like mute. That's all we can say. Give us revival. Give us revival. Give us revival. Give us revival. What's that mean? I've been blessed three times in this life. To have beautiful children. Three times. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're pregnant for a child. And you wait until you go to the hospital to give birth. To get your nursery ready. Brethren. Your life is not going to be easy. Because. There's this little mutant that comes into your world. You're like, oh, when we have a baby, we can settle down a little bit. Okay. All right. My wife won't be like that. Okay. Four o'clock in the morning. She's like, I guess you're just going to lay there and sleep. Yeah. But you want me to feed her? When, when, when someone is pregnant, what do we say that they are? They are. Oh, God, y'all are preaching so good. Danny, they're preaching with me right now. When we say someone is pregnant, we say they are. Expect. Are you hearing what you're saying right now? They are. Come on, say it real loud. They are. God, we are expecting a move. God, we are expecting revival. But when my wife found out she was expecting, we got excited. And when we saw that that baby was forming and the doctor said, Woo, you look healthy. All is good. That baby's growing. We said, you know what? It's time for us to make room for the miracle. Because we're not just going to give birth. We're expecting. I'm here to preach this morning. 
this church has been expecting for a while. But what we're feeling in the atmosphere right now, we're about to start giving birth to some... Man, I feel it from the top of my head to the soles of my feet right now. I said we've been expecting for a while. We've been expanding for a while. We've been making room for a while. And I've come to let the Lord know this morning. We've been making room for the miracle that you're going to send us. I'm almost done. We're expecting. We're expecting is not just something we say. We're expecting is something that we do. There was a young couple. Uh, I, I wish she was here this morning. Sister Wanda's not here, but her son uh, and, and daughter-in-law wanted a child. And they were coming to some of our revival meetings. They're now pastor in Westfield. But they were coming to our revival meetings. And I knew they wanted a child so bad. And so they came in one night and I was preaching. And I told her, and said, I said, I was preaching about crazy faith. And I said, listen. If you were to get a car seat and carry that empty car seat around, I wonder how long it would be before God would fill it. And for a long time after that, every time I said, is there a car seat in here? Has anybody got one that's not connected to 80 things? Anybody got one? Can I, can I use it? These are my friends right here. Thanks for bailing me out, Danny. He said anytime. Look here. You're awesome, dude. I love you. They came into church one night. She had a blanket laid in there. Here's a little old bitty blanket. What you're giving your baby, you're a horrible parent. (laughs) They came walking in like this. Had this blanket laid in there. Like, oh, she's like, we believe God's going to fill it. I believe God's going to fill it. They take it out to the car, strap it in, drive around, get out of the car. They go to the back seat, open the door. What are you doing? I'm expecting. You're what? I'm expecting. It's in your belly? Nope. It's in my soul. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet, but I know God can. I I wish somebody in here this morning would get out your hammer and get out your nails and say, I'm about to build a room for what God is about to do. I've come here to preach simple faith to somebody this morning. We gotta quit telling God that we're expecting. And we've gotta start showing God that we're expecting. God, whatever you wanna do in my life, I am ready. Whatever you wanna do in this church, we are ready. 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 And we're not just saying we're ready. We're showing God we're ready. I went ahead and bought me a Bible study chart. I went ahead. I went ahead and bought me a Bible study to teach. I'm just expecting God. Y'all know why there's more seats in here today than there are people? Because we've been expecting you to come. 
Do you know why you feel what you're feeling here right now? Because God's been expecting you to come. Do you know why your life could be different today than it's ever been? And you could have more peace than you've ever had because His Word said that you can. You can have peace that passes all understanding beyond what you can comprehend, beyond what you could ever know. You can have it in this house. I'm hurrying to a close. So the Scripture said that they built a room for Him and they prepared the room for Him. The Bible said that she put a bed and she put a table and she put a stool and she put a a lamp in there. She put a candlestick in there. She said, when he walks in, I want him to know we have prepared a place that is for you. We have prepared a place that is just for you. And when you come walking in here, you don't have need of anything. If you need a table, we got a table. If you need a stool, you got, we got a stool. If you need a bed, we got a bed. I'm telling you, we've been expecting you to come. And the Bible said that the prophet of God came and he laid there and he said, listen, you have made a place for me. So what can I do for you? She said, I don't need anything. I've got everything I need. And his servant, the prophet's servant, Gehazi, speaks up and he tells the prophet he said she does not have a baby and her husband is old that doesn't necessarily mean that he is old as in an old old man as a matter of fact he's still living when the boy is fully grown and they're working in the field what that means is this man is going to die with nobody to leave his inheritance to this woman has not had children and if that old man dies somebody else is going to get this farm somebody else is going to get this and the prophet looked at her and he said about this time next year you're going to behold the baby and she loved him she made room for him but she looked at that prophet and she said you're a man of God don't you lie to me he said I'm not lying to you I'm telling you what the Lord said you made room and now God is going to give you a miracle And the Bible said that she had this beautiful little boy. And he became a full grown man and was working with his daddy out in the field. And the Bible said that all of a sudden he became sick in his head. There was some kind of a pain, perhaps an aneurysm, something that was happening in his brain. And he looked at his father and he said, my head, my head, my head, my head is hurting. And he picked him up and carried him home to his mother. Do you know what that woman had the audacity to do? The Bible said that she carried him she laid him on her knees until finally he died she kept him close until he stopped breathing and then the woman got up from her seat and she walked him into the miracle room that she had built and she laid him on the bed of the prophet that's what the bible said she laid him on the prophet's bed Do you understand what I'm saying to you right now? It was in her house, but it was the prophet's bed. She said, that ain't my neighbor Billy's bed. That ain't just for anybody that passes by. That's the prophet's room. That's a room for the man of God. And she took that lifeless dream that God had given her. I'm here to preach to somebody who feels like your dream has died this morning. And she laid that dream on the bed of the prophet. And she said, I'm going to get the prophet and have him come pray. And the prophet told Gehazi, he said, well, you go back with her. You go on back and don't you tell, don't you even stop to say hello to somebody. If somebody asks you how you're doing, you keep on riding, son. And you get back. 
back over there and she told, he told that woman, he said, listen, Gehazi's gone. I'm sorry, Gehazi's gone. So you go on back with him. And she looked at him. She said, I will not leave you. Excuse me? I'm going to tell you what faith does. When you have made room for a miracle, it gives you the opportunity to look at God and say, I've already made room for this. I'm not leaving this prayer room till it happens. I'm not going to leave this altar until it happens. God, I'm not going to leave until we have a move. And the Bible said that when Elisha saw that she was not going to leave him, that he went back with her and he walked into that room and closed the door. And the scripture said that he stretched himself out on that dead son of hers. He put his face to his, his eyes, to his eyes, his mouth, to his mouth. This is symbolic that he is completely prostrate on him, covering him. And he prayed and nothing happened. So what does he do? He gets up and leaves and said, well, I guess it wasn't the will of God. You know what the Bible said he did? He got up and he walked outside that room. And he did what pastor does on Sunday. God, you promised us. You promised us. God, this woman made a room for me. This woman made room for faith. God, this woman needs you to move today. We need a move of God. And the Bible said that he walked back into that room. That he had just gone in where there was no answer. I wish somebody get enough boldness in here today. To go right back to the same prayer room. That you were just in and you didn't get an answer. I'm not done because God's not done. I'm going to walk myself right back in here. And I'm going to lay back on that same lifeless body. And I'm going to pray until God moves. And the Bible said that he laid across that boy one more time. And the boy raised up and he sneezed seven times. Seven times. And God restored life into him. If you want to get deep, start looking. Why did he sneeze seven times? I'm not here to preach about why he sneezed. I'm here to preach that there was a room when she needed the miracle. I'm here to preach to you that there was a woman in the beginning of this chapter that when she needed more oil, she needed more vessels. She needed more room. I don't know where you're at in your life today. I don't know how much room you've got in your theology for the reality that you're facing. But somebody needs to expand this morning and say, God, I'm about to make room like I've never made room in my life. I've never seen the need to live holy. I've never seen the need to be in church every time the doors are open but there's something shifting in my soul I'm about to make room for a miracle in my life I'm about to make room for God to do what only God can do as I close today I'm going to draw for you a picture you can remain standing I'm going to draw for you a picture of what's going on in this chapter okay listen if I could preach this whole chapter in 30 seconds, this is what it'd be. And I know some of you are thinking right now, then why didn't you do it? <laughs> there are two women in need. And they need God to do something special. And both of them are taught a principle. You do everything you can do. You do what only you can do. And then let God do what only he can do. I know this morning that I'm in the Holy Ghost. I felt it since I walked in today. And I saw people walking in. I thought, God, if I've ever known you, give me a word. I feel it in this house today.
But I'm here to reach for somebody. And the Holy Ghost just may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I, this is not for the sake of making you uncomfortable, but I'm glad it does because it's a gentle touch of God that's called conviction. And I want to tell you something. Some of you in this room have been pushing back on God. You feel the Lord calling you to a deeper place and you're like, nope, I'm not ready for that. The Lord's calling you to a deeper level of commitment. You say, nope, I don't want to go there. It costs too much. The scripture does not insinuate anywhere that the woman looking for the vessels was cared about how much time it would take to get them. And it doesn't insinuate anywhere that the woman that built the room had any concern with how much it cost. This is the only thing I can tell you about that. When her boy was in need of a resurrection, it didn't matter what it cost. There was room for the miracle. Am I helping anybody in here today? The music's coming. But I want you to listen to this preacher. The Lord sent me in this house today to tell you that what you've been feeling God leading you to is God. You've been feeling that call saying, come on a little bit deeper. You've been standing on the fringes. I'm not sure I want that kind of a commitment. I'm just not sure that that's required. I just wonder what would happen in your life today if you would say, God, I don't care how much it costs me. I don't care what I have to stop doing, what I have to quit doing, where I have to quit going, whatever. But if your spirit has been calling me deeper, I'm going to walk to where you have led me. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk on the waters. Lead me, Lord. Is everybody here that pray that today? Lord, lead me. Lead me to a deeper place. I don't care if it's amazing grace. Y'all just play something right now. Lord, whatever you want to do in this room right now, we are releasing your sweet spirit to begin to move and work. You see every man, woman, and child that has gathered in this place today, God. And there's somebody in this room right now, Lord, that's making room for what you're going to do in their life. There's somebody in this room right now, God, that's making room. Before today, they never saw the need for that kind of a commitment. Before today, God, they never even, never even thought that they would ever live for you like that. But right now, they're building a room. They're making it ready. These altars are wide open today. Don't you worry about what people are going to think of you. Don't worry about what people are going to say about you today. There's nobody here to judge you today. The only thing standing between you and the will of God in your life today is your willingness to say yes to God. Yes. Yes, God. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Whatever you're asking of me today, God, my answer is yes. Come on, it's very simple today.